Hello and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry and a follow-up from last week, I was able to figure out how to pitch Nickelodeon and so I have a pitch meeting coming up with them and I'm so excited about it. Today I'm chatting with the one and only extremely popular webcomic artist, New York Times bestselling author and recent director of a number of episodes for FXX's Cake series, Reza Farazmin, or better known as the creator of Poorly Drawn Lines, which has over 2 million followers on Instagram and nearly 300,000 followers on Twitter. And I have no idea how much his website traffic is because I don't have access to that information, but my guess is that it's probably pretty high. Now, in our chat, Rez is going to share how he created Poorly Drawn Lines in the first place, then scrambled to do everything in his power to make a living wage from it, um, to the point that it became an animated series, which I think is just so cool. So he's going to share how he's been able to support himself and do incredible things purely by creating a career out of his art. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Reza. How are you doing? Thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat because you've had such an interesting career journey. And, you know, we're, ta we're talking about animation, but you started as like a, a webcomic dude back in the for over a decade now that's crazy yeah, um it's been a while tell me how that got started and also you know how did you how did you transition to doing this full time as as just you know web comics mm -hmm. well it started as like little black and white strips that i would publish occasionally in my college newspaper and around the time that i was in college web comics were starting to get popular and there were a few web comics that I was following and was really into. Um, big one would be like Perry Bible Fellowship. And that kind of inspired me to take my work online where I knew it would reach a bigger audience. And I was getting a lot of positive feedback from my friends on the comics that I was making. So I just started publishing them online. My friend helped me build a website, poorlydrawnlines.com, and I just started uploading. Um, but I was uploading pretty irregularly until like a couple of years after I graduated. And then I started thinking that I would really like to be a comedy writer full-time and write comics full-time. So I started doing poorly drawn lines on a three comic a week schedule. And I think when I started doing that and started really taking it seriously is when I started getting more followers and seeing more success. And so probably, it must have between two and a half and three years of doing that, I was able to transition full time to doing web comics as my main career. So you were you were working on the side and then still making yeah yeah. Well, I had a full time job right out of college at a media company where I was helping like edit and write articles for different websites. Okay. And I was doing comics on the side, like on my lunch break when I got home from work at night and just uploading them. Like I used to upload comics between 9 p.m. and midnight because that's when I would finish them after work. And yeah, so I just, I was really focused on doing that. And then I started selling merchandise. There were times when I would be like rolling up posters and packing merchandise at my desk at work on my lunch break and spending my whole lunch break, basically, it was probably kind of obnoxious. I had like a big roll of tape and I was like, like pulling off packing tape and packing up posters. Your coworkers are like, can people. you be quiet? I'm trying to eat lunch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, you're interrupting my sandwich. So did you, but, reach a, did you reach a tipping point in like income or just confidence where you were like, yeah, I, I can do this full time? It was, I guess it was income. I wasn't making that much at my job to begin with. And I, it was technically a paid internship, so it didn't pay that well. 
And I got to the point where I was making almost as much from comics Mm. and I had some savings in the bank and I figured I could probably go full time for at least six months before my savings ran out. Okay. And yeah, just see if my income started going up, like the more work that I put into it, basically. My theory was that if I could make almost a decent living from doing it part-time that if I started committing full-time to it, that I could probably like up my productivity and yeah. Yeah. So that ended up working out. And assuming your savings haven't run out yet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then I, what also helped is I had a friend who was starting like a online banner ad company at the time. And he like put me on his ad network and Basically, I was I wasn't getting enough hits on my website to like attract the attention of an actual ad network, and so he kind of like um, gave me an in into his ad network, basically, and that helps generate some income. Oh wow! And yeah, so it was like a combination of that, and then putting more um, work into the comics and building out my store and like selling more merchandise that really helped me go full time with it. Interesting. I'm I'm just curious, like you know, why was your comic? successful because everybody was everybody's still making a comic and not everybody's mm-hmm. got like you know two million followers on instagram and you know spent a decade doing this do you have a strategy to be like i'm gonna go with the flow and figure out what people want and make that a success or were you just like i'm gonna make what i want and see if that's a success i I'd, I'd like to think it's mostly what i want and I think it is mostly what I want, but I'm sure that subconsciously I'm influenced by seeing what does well or like what my fans enjoy. And so I probably have leaned into some elements of the more successful comics and that's just become a part of my style now. Yeah. But I still, I always try to do new things and make my comics um, unpredictable and not stick to conventions too much. So how I, do you, I like how do you keep be, doing that like every single day for like 10 years though? Like it's <laughs> crazy. Um, yeah, it's I'd run out of ideas after 10 comics and be like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I'm I've probably at this point reused ideas without even knowing it because I've done so many. But then I also feel like my style is constantly evolving. So I'm always trying new things. I guess when you are doing something for that long, you either you either innovate or you get bored with it. Okay. So I think I'm, that's what's kept me interested is the fact that I left poorly drawn lines, very open-ended. I never made it about anything specific. Just in the past few years, I've started integrating more regular characters and mini story arcs and things like that. But for the most part, it's been just free form and open-ended. So it's kind of a platform for me to make anything that I want within the realm of comics, basically. And that's what I've always done. So I guess that's what's kept it interested and interesting and left me able to do new, unpredictable things with it. I mean, that that's just phenomenal and amazing also that you've been able to do it for so long. And so you mm-hmm. talked a little bit about how you were making money. You know, you had ads, you had merch. Um, how do you go from that to then, you know, making deals with like Trip Tank or Cake where suddenly you've got an, your comics are like animated in a series that seems like a huge, a huge jump. Like how did, how did that happen? Well, probably the biggest jump in my career. And when I realized I could really make a long-term career out of this is when I got my first book deal. Hmm. Um, So I, I had been doing comics full time for probably two years at this point. And even at that point, like two or three years into it, 
I was still thinking, can this actually be a long-term career? Can I do this for decades? And then um, a, an editor at Penguin Random House reached out to me and asked if I was interested in publishing a book of comics. And yeah, I, I went out and basically got an agent and pitched the book to Penguin. And that wait, was wait, my wait, first wait, wait. like- Penguin, Penguin was like, can you put your comics into a book for us? And then you had to go out and get an agent and then create a pitch to them? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So there is to pitch to the big publishers, at least when you're a, a niche webcomic artist, you have to have representation. And yeah, so I, I don't know if that's like their official protocol or if they were like, let's see if this guy can put together a pitch deck before we hand him a book deal. I see. So yeah. Um, How do you find an agent randomly? Look, I'm sure you were well, like... I would be scrambling. I'd be like, holy heck, like Penguin just got in touch with me. Now I need an agent yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I, if I recall correctly, the editor kind of pointed me toward a couple of literary agencies that represented illustrators and comic artists. And then I also did a bunch of research and it was actually pretty easy. I just looked up some of my favorite artists who were really successful and found out who their agents were. And then with literary agencies, you actually, you can send query letters unsolicited to literary agencies telling them what you want to do. And then if they're interested, they will represent you and help you take pitches to a publisher. So that's what I did. I sent query letters to probably four or five different literary agencies um, who represented some of my favorite comic artists. Yeah. And a few of them reached back out to me and yeah, I ended up signing with one of them and he's been my agent now for like my whole career oh, wow. and yeah so let going back to that kind of career jump that first book deal is what really helped make me realize that I could do this and make some actual money from it and then once I had published a book um my first book was generated some interest and got on like the New York Times bestseller list and so that helped me then leverage into um like other projects. And then my agent put me in touch with a manager who started representing me um, in TV and film. And that's when I started putting together a pitch deck for a poorly drawn lines animated show. Okay, yeah, because I, I wanted to ask all about that because how do you just go like, hey, television world, I have a comic and a book. Because mm -hmm. you know comics don't necessarily translate to animation and there's a lot of risk mm -hmm. involved and you're competing against so many other things and animation studios that already excel in this. So like. How did you, what did you put together in this pitch that, you know, convinced uh, maybe like, like talk about like, okay, cause that's most recent, like convinced uh, FX to take on poorly drawn lines in a series of, of shorts. Well, we actually put together like a three minute animated short and I think oh, it was you really and your, funny. you and your agents. Um, me and the producer that I was paired up with to work with, um, we put okay. together a, basically like a three minute, I forget what you call it exactly, but it's like a- Animatic. Uh, yeah, like an animatic um, with voices. Okay. And it was, I still think it's hilarious. It, it was like <laughs> really short and it was just taken directly from a comic. We just translated a comic to animation. So you, um, I, but, so, sorry, <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't interrupt. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Cause I'll just, I'll just- So you found, you, gotta... <laughs> you found a producer to work with mm -hmm. because you were actively trying to get an animation together. Yeah, my manage, manager 
like paired me up with a producer basically. So and you were talking then, to your manager and you're like, well, yeah. animation's an opportunity. They found a producer and they paired you up yeah. and then you self-invested or the pro producer invested in this anima this three minute. Uh, yeah. I think we did it very cheap. It was like a friend of his um, okay. who, who did it all. And so I don't think it costs very much. And yeah, we basically just used that as the main pitch tool. Um, I did one pitch, like the first, very first pitch I did was to Comedy Central and didn't have that animatic to work with. Um, and we got a no from them. And then we put together this animatic like over the next couple of months and then took that out for more pitch meetings. Wow. And um, yeah, it was funny. I mean, I guess that partly sold it. And then I don't remember exactly. I just described the show, how I saw it. I described the characters. Can you I do like a little like two minute pitch to me? I'm just curious how you, you know, pitch oh, this man. thing. I, have this things I did this like three and a half years ago. So okay. I don't remember anymore. But I know that I talked about like the core <laughs> themes being friendship and how it was going to be a group of friends living in this surreal outlandish world who are basically just leaning on each other to get by and how it was going to be like grounded in this friend group even though there was going to be a bunch of absurd, surreal aspects. And yeah, I think I remember the one executive just saying that it felt very comforting and warm. Um, Did they know about poorly drawn lines ahead of time? Or were you just like, oh, also, yeah, FYI, I'm a New York <laughs> Times bestseller, internet sensation. That all, that all went into the pitch. I mean, I said all the standard stuff, like what accolades I had and how many social media followers I had, because that's important to include. So they knew I had a big social media following. They knew I had a couple of successful books out. And then it turned out that a couple of the people in the room that I was pitching to actually followed my comics already. So we're kind of aware of what I was doing. But I, yeah, so I think that, and I think that people who work in animation have tend to like pay attention to a lot of webcomic stuff because so many webcomic artists have jumped over to animation in like the past 10 years. So that's probably just a, a regular thing that animation executives do now. They pay attention to comics and web comics. So yeah. yeah, a couple of people in the room knew about my stuff already. So I think that that probably helped. And then they felt that it would translate <laughs> sure to- They yeah, probably had a little bit of starry eyes in there. Starry eyes? Yeah. The stars in their eyes? Um, okay, so what was your actually role, uh, actual role with like Cake, for instance? Were you, mm -hmm. you know, director or like showrunner or like, you know, just a writer or like what was what was your well, role in, in this? On, so within Cake, it, all of the individual segments are kind of produced separately. So it's not like everyone's, I, I assume there's some team higher up that like obviously is editing all of these segments together into this one cohesive show. But I think for the most part, all of the segments were kind of doing our own thing and producing them separately. So on poorly drawn lines, I was, I wrote every episode and I was technically an executive producer and creator. Okay. Did you also have to do like a whole like package showing like, you know, what the characters look like in various situations, what their hands look like, to, like all that stuff too. Like do for the pitch or for the character the design? The show stuff. itself, like we're, yeah. the art director, et cetera. Like this has to look like my comic and feel like mm -hmm. it and the voice like. Yeah, so I worked with a director at Floyd County who is the animation studio that produced the show and they had, they had produced Archer before. So I was like very familiar with their work and really stoked to be working with them. And I, so I worked closely with um, 
this director named Matt Thompson, who was kind of overseeing the show. And we, he knew that I wanted the show to feel like the comics. And um, I think a few of the animators were already fans of the comic and so felt um, very invested in it and making it feel right. And so we had, as for like the character and role design, we had like years of comics to reference back to for colors and like, yeah, color palette and overall like the flat 2D design that I use. And then I also would, I drew out like a sheet of character designs for all the main characters for the first couple episodes. And Mm -hmm. then the animators went in and made like 3D reference models from all angles for all the characters. Cause my characters are always like, they're almost like 2D sprites in the comics. They're like forward facing and very flat. And so the animators basically brought them into like a 3D, 2D model and kind of fleshed it out. I didn't do any of the actual animation myself. That was all handled by professional animators. I just wrote the scripts and yeah, created the characters basically. So how long was your involvement in this project, I guess, just from a time timeline? It took a while. It was like, we sold it almost three years ago and, or a little over three years ago. And so it took a while from, well, it took a while for me to like write the scripts and the scripts went through several different revisions early on. Um, Cause it was my first time really writing long form stuff. Um, so yeah, one really cool part about the whole process is that I got a lot of notes on my scripts and I basically learned a lot about what makes a good television story. And like, what yeah, makes you, a good do you get notes on your general. comics? <laughs> I don't get notes on my comics. That's the thing. This was so like a, a new thing for me. Yeah, I was getting notes, but I'm really glad I did because I think the show is a lot stronger than, than it would have been if I had just gone off and made it myself the way I do my comics. If you if you um, if you feel comfortable answering this, you know, did you have to enter the world of like option agreements and rights and and like all this fancy how you're getting paid and all that stuff? Like, how did you handle that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But fortunately, I have people who do that for me. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I didn't. There was there was lawyers and my agent. And yeah, I had people who handled the, all that stuff for me and yeah um yeah so I, I didn't actually have to read over any documents or or use any terms like options or anything like that i was aware that it was going on and i knew what i wanted and yeah i had people that were able to navigate all that, those things for me so i guess okay so your career has been you know obviously the web comic is like the bread and butter at the end of the day and then you have merch and you know ads sales still, I guess, maybe, and uh, like mm-hmm. TV, et cetera. Like if you're looking at, you know, creating a career in this, like where, where are your income streams coming from? If you also feel comfortable answering this, like, like, mm-hmm. are you always kind of trying to go with the flow and with social media and now you have Patreon and now you have all these other things to try to create all these different income streams to make this a solid, stable career? Or is it like, you know, get a book deal and that lasts for a while and then find another opportunity and that lasts for a while, et cetera. Yeah, it's it's a lot of different income streams. It used to be for the first few years that I was doing this full time, it was ads on my website that were mostly supporting me. And with income or with uh, merchandise being like 25%, it was like 75, 25% ads to merchandise. And now with 
with internet content transitioning over to social media, there's not banner ads on websites anymore, really, for like small content creators like me. So now it's it's the opposite. It's like probably 80% merchandise, like 20% ads. And then I also have a Patreon and yeah, book deals have been good um, sources of income over the years. And now this animation thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it all just kind of adds up and makes for a, a pretty stable living. Nice. Nice. How does, um... but yeah, it is a lot of different income sources to juggle basically. My, I do my own taxes and it's a real <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah. One day when the IRS comes and knocks on your door, they're going to be, be like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I keep track of everything. I mean, I'm, I'm good. I just mean, you know, when point, they do it's it's just... random audits. <laughs> yeah. I'll have, I'll be ready. I'll be ready with my receipts. You'd be like, here you For go. Anybody who goes out and does this, the one, one little business tip I can say is put everything on one credit card so you can keep track of it all. Good tip. Good All tip. of your business expenses. How how does um you know now that you're in the animation world with Cake just recently airing etc. Like how does this change your career? Just like what you're doing with your art. Well, I've I have always wanted to write comedy and write for TV. So, and then I actually really got into web comics, intending for it to be practice for animation or TV writing and that I was going to try to spin that off into like a TV career at some point. Um, and that just ended up happening a little bit later. Wait, hang on, I think my cats are wrestling. They're just wrestling. Um, so that ended up happening a little bit later than I originally planned. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to continue working in TV and film and kind nice. of do more of that. I still love writing comics, but now that I've had the opportunity to write longer form stuff, it's very fun. And I want to continue doing that. So, so, okay. So like my next question is like, what's next for you, but are you going to actively try to get into writing for television then, or is it going to be trying to pitch like uh, poorly drawn lines as a full television show? Yeah. Well, I, I would love for poorly drawn lines to become a full television show. That's probably what I would most want to do right now. Um, outside of that, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to continue trying to either write for other projects or pitch my own animated projects going forward. Nice. Um, yeah. I guess, well, thank you for like covering your, how you got started, your career, how you've made it over mm -hmm. the years, et cetera. Um, you know, if somebody's listening to this and they have a small web comic or they're starting out in, you know, that path, uh, what has been like the number one skill, or I guess, what would you say to this person to like, really develop to make a successful, stable career in this, in this area? Probably the most important thing for me has been consistency and consistently putting out new material. If you're trying to make it as a webcomic artist, that's probably the most important thing is just being consistent and putting stuff out on a schedule so that people come to expect your material basically. Yeah, so consistency and treating it like um, treating it like a job, kind of. Do you yeah. ever take vacations? Like, do you ever yeah, just go away take... for like a month? <laughs> um, not that often, and if I do, I usually will post comics um, like in advance, or post them to schedule on schedule them to post on their own, basically. Yeah. Um, it used to be really hard for me to draw while I was traveling because I had to do. I drew traditionally for most of my career, like with 
pencil and paper. And so anytime I traveled, I would bring a scanner with me and set up my entire like traditional art setup with all my pencils and pens and scanner, like anywhere I went. And now I do everything on an iPad in Procreate. So it's incredible. I can like work anywhere. Yeah. So, I, bring my, yeah. I, bring, I bring Procreate with me everywhere too. It's so easy. Like I'll just be on the subway, yeah. like drawing. <laughs> I love it. It's amazing. So I'm that's, just... um, yeah. Is so there anything... I, I do take breaks, but yeah, not, it's, it's easy for me to continue putting out stuff even when I'm on a break. Nice. Nice. Good to hear. Also, mm-hmm. you're not going crazy. Is yeah. there any, uh, I guess as we're wrapping up, are there any topics or uh, things that you wanted to share that you think would be important for people listening? Um, well, I think it's important for people to watch Cake <laughs> uh, Thursdays on FXX at 10 p.m. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, also next day on FX on Hulu. Um, what else? I mean... I think it's if people are trying to do what I did and go from comics to animation, I would say go for it and go for it early. Um, don't don't like sell yourself short. Like start making connections and talking to people in the industry early on. And yeah, how do you do? building how out do your you, body of work. How do you make those connections and talk to people currently? I don't know because I didn't really do that. I like <laughs> I pretty much. <laughs> I have been really bad at networking my entire career and I've pretty much relied on the fact that my comics are fairly popular and have done well to like find new opportunities in my career. But yeah, I guess like one thing that I wish I was better at and that I would encourage other people to get good at this industry is to yeah, get good at talking to people and asking questions and um, yeah, putting yourself out there in other ways. Nice. Yeah. So unless you have 2 million followers, then start making some connections. Yeah. Or just toil away in internet obscurity for years until yes, you get toil a, away. a deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some people do that. So, you, you, you know, like yeah. what, are, what are the things that would take them to the next level? Maybe connections is one of those things. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to share? Um, no, just, yeah. Check out Cake. Check out Poorly Drawn Lines. Cake is very fun. It has a lot of cool... Um, animators and studios working together to make one fun project. Uh, I think there's a lot of inspiration to be had there. And yeah, check out Poorly Drum Lines on FX on Hulu as well. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Reza, for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. And if you're listening, uh, of course, check out Cake on FXX or um, check out Reza's work on Instagram at Poorly Drawn Lines, on Twitter at PDL Comics or his website at PoorlyDrawnLines.com. And I'll include all those links in the description of this chat. Thank you so much for listening. And that's all for now. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.